Marvin Goldfried is a distinguished professor of psychology at Stony Brook University, where he helped develop the graduate program in clinical psychology. He's the co-founder of the Society for the Exploration of Psychotherapy Integration. Alan Francis is a professor of psychiatry and chair emeritus at Duke and was chair of the DSM-4 task force. Marvin describes the evolution of his psychotherapy orientation as psychodynamic, behavioral, CBT, and eventually integrative. He practices, teaches, and supervises what works clinically using direct and indirect evidence base. Alan describes his approach to psychotherapy as whatever works or no one size fits all. He was trained and taught at the Columbia University Psychoanalytic Center, but remains equally interested in brief, supportive, cognitive, behavioral, interpersonal, and family therapies. Please enjoy this week's episode. Good morning and welcome to Talking Therapy. I am Marvin Goldfried and I am Alan Francis. Very good. I recognize you. <laughs> so listen, we're, we're going to follow up on uh, what we were talking about in our last podcast on, on narcissism. And we were talking about, uh, you know, how much of it is learned, how much of it is uh, basically dispositional and different types. And rather than, be, rather than being categorical, it may be helpful to think of it as dimensional. I have not had much experience or much luck in the little experience I have. So I'm going to defer to you when it comes to therapy. Okay, I've had a lot of experience with patients and even more with colleagues. So, Yeah, with colleagues, I know. And, and um, uh, the tactic that I have used is avoidant behavior on my part. <laughs> How do you approach narcissists therapeutically? Well, you know, I think, as you're saying last week, there's, there's a huge range in what we're talking about, that narcissism is a normal thing. People don't, don't have enough narcissism. The treatment will be to help them to have more. It's not as if there's a, um, a sharp cutoff between what's normal and what's not. But um, the treatment will vary dramatically depending on a number of different variables, the most important being severity. So the, the treatment for someone who has world-class narcissism is going to be very different than the treatment who has just a little bit more than normal. Uh, we're not going to be able to treat Donald Trump, uh, Boris Johnson, or Vladimir Putin, people like that, uh, with, with techniques that might work in normal psychotherapy. Um, and we'll discuss the differences as we go along. I think it depends a lot on the presenting problem. Is the person coming in, a narcissist coming in with a heart attack? Is the person coming in because their wife is saying that getting a divorce because you, it's impossible to live with you? Are they about to be fired at work? The circumstances that lead the most people with severely severe narcissism don't show up on their own. There's usually an external push that drives them to treatment. Well, you know, that, that's interesting because that, that was something I wanted to, to uh, mention. And you, you anticipated it or you mentioned it instead of me. Um, I've only seen a couple, and in both instances, these were external crises. They would not have come in otherwise, but something was wrong. And, you know, so at the get-go, one of the basic principles of change is motivation and positive expectation. So their agenda is probably different from our agenda. Yep. Also, the stage of life, so that it'll vary dramatically whether someone has a deeply ingrained 
narcissistic personality pattern that's endured for many, many decades that pervades everything they do, every relationship they have, that's going to be very different than someone who may seem narcissistic early in life, teenagers, early adulthood people, where it's not really necessarily that much an aspect of their enduring personality and more part of the developmental stage they're in. The differences in, in, in developmental stage will have a dramatic impact on what treatments may work or what may not work. Also duration. So the, the, the uh, treatment of severe narcissists, if it's aimed at change, is the longest psychotherapy of all. They're the hardest people to uh, help change in, in, in basic personality functioning. And you're talking about many, many years. If that's not available, um, and many years of therapy are not available to most people, then that's going to change the way the treatment's regarded. So it's kind of interesting. I mean, one of the dangers of, of uh, categories is the um, ignoring of the heterogeneity within the category. And you're, you're saying, you know, there's severity, there's duration, there's pervasiveness, there's time of life. Interesting. You know, there'll never be for any for any psychiatric problem, there'll never be one size fits all. And that's particularly true for narcissistic personality disorder, because so many factors, and I haven't even mentioned the therapist factors that therapists vary in the techniques that they use. And um, in, in this instance, that may have a dramatic impact, both on the um, type of therapy that's chosen and how successful it is and patient preference. Um, does the person really want to change who they are? Or they just want to get over this acute stressor. I think the kind of treatment that's not been discussed much and is the most prevalent for narcissistic personality disorder is supportive. That mm. the typical person, and we're mostly talking here about on this toward the severe end, because towards the mild end, it's people are not that different from most patients we see. But toward the severe end, um, supportive treatment is almost always the only thing that will work and be helpful. What I mean by that is this, that the, the patient will usually come in because of a heart attack or other medical problem, mm -hmm. and they're getting into a fight with their doctor, so they won't go to the doctor. Or they're smarter than the doctor, uh, or they keep doctor shopping to get the perfect doctor. So it may, might be a medical problem. It, it, as we said before, it's very often um, the people around them finding them suddenly, after many years, intolerable to live with, and I'm going to get a divorce, or my children won't talk to me, or um, my boss is about to fire me. There's usually, for the severe end of the spectrum, your experience is the gener generic one that the person's not coming in and saying, you know, I have a narcissistic personality disorder. I lack empathy for other people. I'm grandiose. I'm exploitive. I'm self-promoting. I really want to change and be a different kind of person. That never happens. Then what, what do they attribute their difficulty to or the, 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 the problematic situation? Other well, people? It may be the, you know, the disease or it may be the people and people don't understand me. I'm doing my best for everyone and they don't yeah. appreciate it. I work so hard to help everyone and, and no one understands all the efforts I'm putting in. Think Donald Trump. I mean, think of all the reactions Donald Trump has. If, if he loses the election, the election's fixed. There'll be a, an explanation external to accepting any self-blame in the situation. And it will always be blaming other people for not appreciating, not, not, not understanding.
not treating me fairly. And I think that the, the, the main thing that therapists, the mistake therapists make, I think, in situations like this, where the goal is really just to patch the person up and get them back into their situation, back into their lives, because you're not going to change them and you're not basically going to change their lives. The most common mistake therapists make is to challenge the person, to point out the grandiosity, the unrealistic mm. expectations, the exploitation. And if a person's having a heart attack, it's not really the smartest idea in the world to start trying to explore what a son of a bitch they are that that's not going to endear you with the patient. You're not going to form a, a good therapeutic alliance. Yeah, but, but do, you're just your phrase just now, thinking of them as a son of a bitch, I think reflects the fact that why the therapist would do this is because the therapist is annoyed at, at the patient. And that is, that, that is uh, antithetical to doing good therapy. And it's the easiest thing in the world to be annoyed at, at, at someone who's grandiose, self-promoting, self-involved, self-absorbed, um, self-interested, uh, who's denigrating of, of, of your ability or idealizing you beyond what's possible. Because some narcissistic patients will assume that the only doctor who can cure them is the greatest doctor who ever lived. And you realize that you're embarrassed by the idea that you're being exalted beyond what you realize are your, are your just desserts. It, it, it's tough dealing with these patients without getting into a um, either a power struggle or being dominated by them. And very often they quit treatment. They didn't want to be there in the first place and they're the last in and first out. I think that in situations where the person is experiencing a great deal of real stress in life, mm. the goal is not to change their personality, but just to help them get through this catastrophic period in their life the treatment should be supportive and what's the, the every personality disorder has a supportive treatment attached to it so with narcissistic personality disorder it's to admire the person it's to try to find the things in them that are generally at genuinely admirable you're not going to admire false things in them but the things that are genuinely ad admirable to ad admire those things and to convey to the person you have gotten through lots of very difficult things in the past, you're going to get through this as well. So the therapist has to have a bit of Superman in him or her. What do I mean by that? X-ray vision to see beyond the behavioral crap and look inside to see where the person is suffering, what they want, what they're not getting, what, well, but what they want. It's what we've described before is to see past the dragon yeah. on the exterior to the person in distress, to empathize with them, even though they may not be able to empathize with you. Yeah, you uh, mentioned it. Who yeah. was that? Who, 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 you got that in supervision or is it reading? Yeah, or? I got that from Harold Searles. Uh-huh. 60 years ago almost. But then he, 55 years ago, I guess. But in any case, yeah, to, to somehow or other appreciate the person in a genuine way, identify the strengths that they've had in the past in dealing with difficult problems, and giving them the sense of narcissistic gratification that they need at that moment when they're narcissistic, narcissistically depleted, 
in order to be able to face the challenge of I'm, I'm, I have a heart attack or I'm getting old and my knee needs to be replaced or I'm about to be fired from my job or my wife's about to leave me. And a moment like that, a narcissistic person is not going to be able to change who they are. So you have to help them feel at their best so they can deal with the enormous stress that's, that's, that's facing them. That's, so as a supportive treatment where you, you remain humble, where you're able to see the best in the patient and see them through the crisis is probably what most people need and, and should be getting when, when they were dealing with acute, serious life problems. In some ways, it's a similar challenge in dealing with borderline patients. Yeah. The, the second, somewhat more ambitious treatment, and I'll be doing this at levels of am ambition in the therapist and levels of willingness and tolerance in the patient. The second treatment requires a patient that's a little bit more willing to participate in therapy and under a little bit less external stress or medical distress. And that is you're not going to change the person's basic narcissistic personality, but maybe you can help them cope with it better in the world and teach them ways of dealing with it that will be less antithetic to success, less dysfunctional. So you may not be able to get the person ever not to be grandiose, but you may be able to teach them that when they show that grandiosity to others, it gets them in trouble. Okay, let me let me throw in the, um, something about how I'm thinking and the translation that's going into my head which is a common language across orientations. And I think I've mentioned this to you before, and certainly I've written about it. it. It's, you know, what's going on with the patient? They're in a situation where they're thinking, where they have emotions, where they want certain kinds of things, where they act, where there's an impact of their action, and how they feel they've handled the situation. So it's situation, it spells staircase. Situation, thought, affect, intention, response, consequence, self-evaluation. It's not necessarily in that order, but we can call this quote the, the dynamics or the case formulation or the functional analysis or the behavioral analysis or, or personalizing therapy, whatever else. So what I was translating in my head was to get them to to pay attention to the to the consequences of their responses. I love when you put a um, words and a cognitive frame to things that I just do more intuitively and without a theoretical structure. Yeah. Okay. That's good. I'm glad you like it. I, anyway, I find it helpful because because you you can plan out your therapy. You do your case formulation, and you say, ah. Here's the problem, the failure to recognize consequences and to do what they want. I want to do what I want, no matter what. So there's an intention, there's a response, and there's a consequent link that is maladaptive and needs to be changed. You need to break that link. I can kill somebody if I wanted to on Fifth Avenue and nobody, and I'd get away with it. I can do what I want, and there'll be no negative consequence. 
It's exactly right. That the individual who has a pretty severe narcissistic personality disorder is not going to easily change their grandiosity, is not going to overnight develop empathy. And if they're in trouble in life, they have to make changes behaviorally and, and therefore cognitively pretty quickly. And so it's teaching them the consequences, the impact they have on others, which usually they're very unaware of, the negative consequences in their life, and getting them to change their behavior, even if they can't change their characters. Right. And sometimes little changes, like in, in, especially in marital treatment, very often the treatment will be better done in couples therapy if it's a marital problem than it would be with the individual. Little changes in, in the relationship, the marital relationship that gives the, it's usually the wife dragging the husband, the narcissistic husband in, that give her a little bit of more support, a little bit of more recognition in the marriage, spending more time with her, talking with her, going out for a meal once in a while, taking her a little more seriously as a person. The, the narcissistic personality disorder may not change. But small changes in, in the behaviors that can be taught, <laughs> that can be taught in a uh, in a therapeutic relationship, will, will result often in major changes in the impact they have on the rest of the world. Yeah, and you know, and you know why? You know why? Because the change in their behavior has a positive impact on a significant other in this instance, and then they get what they want. So the key, I really think is trying to figure out what they want. Do they just want to be a pain in the in the butt? Or do they want to get recognition and caring? A little bit like with psychopaths, not trying to change their psycho psychopathy, but teaching them to be better at it so that they don't have the dire consequences. It, it, it's not necessarily changing the lack of empathy or the exploitiveness or the self-absorption, but it's saying if you want to get the goods that you want, your way is not working. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. Yeah, you can take these fairly simple steps, even though you don't feel it. If you can start doing it, that may result in a dramatic change in your life. Yeah. Now you refer to this as a supportive therapy. No, and no, this is goes beyond supportive therapy. Yeah, because I'm I'm not quite sure what supportive yeah, therapy. Supportive I, therapy. Yeah, I can define that. The supportive therapy. The, I'm, I'm going to discuss three different levels of treatment. One, supportive therapy. One, teaching the person how to be a more successful narcissist. And the third would be actually trying to change some of the personality features. So this is a middle degree level of ambition. Mm. Patients who have more motivation to change and are under less external stress or don't have a medical illness so much, teaching them behaviors I sometimes will say to patients, I can never help you be modest. Not in your nature to ever be modest. Mm -hmm. But what you really need is false modesty. The false modesty will get you further in the world than what you're doing now. And these are the kinds of ways you can do it. It's teaching the person to live better with less dysfunction, not expecting them to change their personalities, but to smooth off some of the rough edges. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting. When I think of narcissistic personality disorders as, as not paying attention to the consequences. I also think of the flip side of the anxious individual who pays too much attention or worries too much about the consequences so they don't get what they want. So it is, it is an issue of their response, not 
yielding the consequence of what they want, um, but it becomes more out of fear of behaving rather than behaving in a way that has a negative impact. So the first treatment we talked about was supportive. The second could be seen as CBT, the CBT approach. The third treatment is psychodynamic, and the psychodynamic literature has been pretty extensive on narcissistic personality disorder, but that doesn't mean that the, the treatments have been that successful, that these are the longest dynamic treatments and probably among the least successful. But there was a very um, heated controversy, has been a very heated controversy in the literature with two radically different psychodynamic approaches. One that's uh, most often attributed to Hans Kohut, who wrote a very influential book about 40 years ago, says that in effect, the person who has narcissistic personality disorder missed out in life in a very essential um, gift. And that's the gift of empathy, that they lacked people around them, whether it was due to the people around them, the mothering, fathering figure, whether it was due to their own inborn tendencies that they couldn't appreciate. Or, or in certain cases that we know the fathering. Right. And, and or the interaction. Maybe partly the baby was really tough to empathize with. Yeah, yes. It may, it may be the parents lacked enough empathy or enough comfort with the kid. Maybe their external circumstances made it impossible. But the, the basic defect came early in life and the lack of empathy experienced as, as an infant and young child and growing child was then internalized with a lack of empathy towards others. Mm -hmm. And the feelings of being inadequate and unlovable were reversed defensively into feelings of grandiosity. And the uh, feelings of being exploited transform themselves into a tendency to just care about self and to exploit others. And that the basic tool of healing would be to be empathic to the individual. Mm -hmm. Rather than challenging them, rather than confronting them with their grandiosity and exploitiveness, it would be to try to get past that to understanding how they feel. And that if the person can have the corrective emotional experience in the therapy, of having an, a therapist who's empathic, who understands them, that this will allow them to progress. They were previously fixated at a pre-empathic state, will allow them to progress and become, by identification, by experience, corrective emotional experience, allow them to become more empathic themselves. What, what did Freud call it? Was it, was it reparenting or after education? I don't know. Because I've, I've heard both from Hans Strupp, yeah. and and he one of them was was Freud. I'm not quite sure, but essentially it's a reparenting or right. an after education, and this right. is a very vivid uh, uh, example of of how the person develops, the changes developmentally, and and the theory being that it's not possible to just teach empathy, although. Some medical schools try to do that. We could discuss that in another. It might be a good topic for another session. Can you teach empathy? But in, in this model, with this type of patient, it would be they have to experience the empathy. And by experiencing the empathy, they can then have it for others. By experiencing being valued for who they are, not how much they should mm -hmm. want, 
they don't have to show off as much. Right. Now, is there another one? Because we're getting close okay. to the end. So time the other, to hear what that is. psychodynamic approach would be much more confrontive to point out the grandiosity, to point out the exploitiveness, to try to trace the roots of that. And uh, it, it leads, it, you really need a patient who's tolerant of a lot of frustration to deal with a therapist who's going to be doing this. I think in the average therapy patient relationship, to the degree that the therapist challenges the narcissistic individual's tremendous grandiosity and lack of empathy and exploitiveness, that the patients generally leave. So it's not something I would recommend highly. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, you know, that, what that sounds like, this is something I read as a graduate student, which you may be very impressed with. Um, Wilhelm Reich's the character analysis, yeah, yeah. one of the best books I read in graduate school, um, where he talks about changing character structure by pointing it out repeatedly until it, until it quote becomes ego alien or a thorn in the person's side. But you're saying you've got to be able to do that and keep them in therapy at the same time. Yeah, I think that the the idea of turning egocentric personality traits into egodystonic symptoms that need to be yeah. and changed works for a lot of other personality types. It doesn't work that well for people with especially the severe. It, it works okay fine with the people with mild, just above normal narcissistic personality features. Yeah. They, can be, they can be dealt with in this way. But people with severe, think Donald Trump, people with severe narcissism don't respond well to being challenged and told that they're not so special. And what they do in situations like that is denigrate the therapist and just take off as fast as they can. So mm -hmm. this is the kind of patient, if you want to keep them in treatment, you have to reel them in very, very slowly. Yeah. Well, I remember that because I, I did a consult session with a partner of a patient of mine, a male partner. And I pointed something out in the middle of the session and he walked out. <laughs> So it was a very dramatic leaving of therapy. Uh, uh, and often you only get one, quotes, mistake. Yeah. That th these are not individuals who are there for, usually for their own purposes to start with. They're extra sensitive to anyone who doesn't, you know, realize their greatness. And to the degree that you're challenging, it's very likely you're going to lose them quickly. Yeah. Well, I love more anxious people. They're just so much easier <laughs> to deal with and to understand, and, and in many, many cases, not all, uh, uh, to help. But this is interesting. Yep. No, this was good. I, uh, I'm glad that we brought it up. We could probably continue, but... but uh, it's, suggest a topic, it's just a topic for the near future. And that might be empathy. Yeah, I was, I was going to say empathy because uh, I have a lot of experience in trying to teach that over approximately 60 years to students in my classes and, and my supervisees. And um, some of them come with it already. Some with it learn. And some of them don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I think that would be a useful one. So you schedule it when it makes sense, Marvin. Okay. No, there's some other goodies too that I want to bring up. And that is, um, how do you get competent people who have low self-confidence to recognize and accept their competence 
and develop self-confidence. So how can you go from competence to, to confidence? I think that's a great one. And so the opposite of what we're talking about today, how do you yes. help people to, who have too little narcissism have, have just the right amount, the Goldilocks right amount? Yeah. So can we get continuing education credit from doing this? Maybe if we, if we fill out multiple choice questions. <laughs> we're too old for that, Marvin. Too old for lots of things. Stay safe. Bye. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.